Welcome to episode <laughs> one of Pappy Hour. And we're live. I'm your host. I'm Patrick Earnshaw, a.k.a. Pappy. And this is my daughter, Jessica Earnshaw, a.k.a. Peanut. Howdy. Howdy, folks. And together, we are going to bring uh, an hour of great entertainment. Hour or so. An hour or so. We're going to talk about great topics. Uh, a lot of stories to tell. About a lot of different things, but today we're just going to uh, start with us and who we are, where we came from, and what we've been doing for the last 54 years of my life. Yeah, a lot of stories to tell. If anyone has ever met Pappy, they know that he has lived a plethora of just, he just has a plethora of stories to tell. He's been standing on the floor of Summit for the past 30 years talking to people, and uh, has traveled the world, done a lot of cool stuff, You know, read, read a lot of books, done, done a lot of cool things. But it's really all going to come down to the stories, because one yeah. of my favorite bumper stickers is, poor decisions late at night make for the best stories. And uh, there was always uh, some bad decisions that turned out to be some great stories. Yeah. But we're going to have fun with this podcast and we're going to bring it to you once a week. And it's going why to be, am I nervous right now? It's why, out of our comfort zone doing something like this. You know, I feel been, like we've been talking about it. Oh, for the last year. No, and months, maybe we've been really talking about it for the last <laughs> couple of months. Uh, yeah. I started a 31-year uniform retail management owner. Shout out Summit Uniforms. Uh, career in 1992, and just retired. Uh, at the end of July, after Fresh. a little over 31 years. So enjoying a bit of the last couple of months of retirement. Um, and we're going to just start from This is the, first, the beginning. First project post-Summit career. And I, I like it just came to me. I feel like I've listened to so many podcasts for so many years. And you, it just made so much sense. Like you were kind of kind of trepidatious at the beginning and I feel like the way I really sold it to you was some of your most prized possessions are your stories well are your grandparents and your great-grandparents and their great-grandparents like you really are invested in your the history of our family I am and uh you have journals and books and clothes and anything you can get your hands on and keep you've never gotten rid of anything that has belonged to your great grandparents and we can get into their life stories and, and whatnot later, but how cool and we is together it together are the caretakers of the family history. Yeah. And this is a way for all of your stories, your personality really to be recorded because my kids, my great my grandkids, my great grandkids, I think how cool how how cool would it be if you could hear your great grandpa's yeah. voice and his stories and his insights from when he was, you know, tromping around the world doing what he was doing. Yeah. And so that really is like the mission of this podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to just get stories down. We have low expectations, you know, shout out Mima, who's probably listening right now, our number one listener um, and mom. And we're, we're <laughs> live here in San Diego. 
Uh, sunny San Diego. Uh, we've got great weather out there today, and we will be bringing all the podcasts uh, taped right here in San Diego in yeah, our home. Right in front of all your favorite books that you've collected over your whole life. I'm sitting behind, I'm sitting in front of a collection of books that started uh, when I was a young man, uh, when kids would buy, uh, in my travels, when other kids would buy uh, a toy or, um, you know, candy, I always seemed to buy a book <laughs> and I would always bring home one or two or five books from every trip I took. And, and I, Meemaw has gifted you a book every year on your birthday, Christmas. I've had a lot of books as gifts. <laughs> uh, and the books have sometimes been hard to manage. There's a lot of them. But it's a collection that you see less and less books sold all the time. And I think books are a snapshot in the time. So you can read about something that was written 30 or 40 years ago. And you can get a feeling of the period and why it was written at the time and from that perspective. So yeah, I think, they never change. Yeah, and Wikipedia changes all the time. In a book, a history book, uh, written about World War One in 1932, it'll never change. Yeah, and you and finally have time to start reading some of these books because how many of these books would you say that you've actually read front cover to cover? Oh, I, 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 I can't admit to that. You're a, all, th- you're a thumber. All of them, really. <laughs> you're a thumber. Very, yeah. I've uh, I've perused many of the books. <laughs> All of the books. I'm not a big cover to cover reader. You get uh, what you sitting, you get what you need. Sitting you down, get the gist. yeah. Sitting down, reading a book cover to cover is tough for me. Yeah. I think the last book I read cover to cover that I really enjoyed was Killing Patton, and it was a fascinating book about World War II, all sorts of different figures. It. It's up there somewhere. Uh, other than General Patton, uh, he was a big part of the book, but it was also about the Third Reich and Hitler and yeah. uh, and the English, the Americans, everyone that was involved in World War II. And I did read that cover to cover; it was like four hundred yeah. pages. So I was kind of proud of myself for that one. Good job. So we're going to work on reading more books. I just finished Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and it's one of the best books I've ever read. I cried like a baby at the end. So highly recommend. Um, but yeah, so this is where let's we're start, at. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, let's start from the beginning. Let's go back. So you retired. You sold Summit. We'll get to that. Uh, let's start from the beginning of where, uh, where you're from. We, we both grew up in the same neighborhood. The Den. Jessica was uh, Shout out. luckily uh, raised in the same neighborhood. I was the Almaden Valley Best of South San Jose. place to grow up. It was a great place to grow up in the 70s and 80s for me. And 2000s for me. And a great place to grow up for you. Where yeah. else can you cook around in a golf cart uh, <laughs> on the streets of your neighborhood at about 12 or 13 years old and not get thrown into jail? So that was pretty good. I know. God. I graduated from Leland High School, 1988, class of 88. And Jessica was class of 15 at Presentation High School. Go Panthers. Some great memories there. I, I then graduated We from went to the same... Elementary school. Elementary school. Simons. Simons Elementary School. And we both went to Castellero. Castellero Middle School. And I was set to go to Leland, but I got I got convinced to go private and play softball because I thought I was going to be a D1 softball player, which didn't end up happening, but wouldn't change a thing. I had the best 
best time at Prez, even though it was an all-girls yeah. Catholic school. Everyone always was like, oh, God, how was that? I had the best time. I made the best friends. I played sports. We were terrible, but, you know, did a good, and, had a good time. And softball, girls softball was a huge part of our life. Yeah. And we will probably dedicate an episode just to that. And Many. the stories the, the stories could be 10 episodes, but we wouldn't uh, bore you with all those stories. But we really have some good ones of crazy coaches. Danny, um, Tyson. Cra- crazy <laughs> Crazy people involved, crazy moms, crazy dads, and we we were we, we were on a travel uh, schedule all summer long. So we went all, all around summer, the, all fall, all spring. Yeah. It never ended. All it was year round, but no, yeah, those were the best memories. And I was on the Almaden Lightning, so you know Almaden was such a big part of our lives. And we ended up selling our house on Crystal Springs at May of 2022, right? Yep. Yeah, May of 2022. Sold it to the nicest family with two little kids who are enjoying that pool, I'm sure. have been enjoying that pool all Yeah, summer. that house needed to be with little kids around. They, so. There needed to be kids in with, that home. With the, the, the girls yeah. gone, it needed to move on to the next. Well, before we lived there, a family of what? Like Mormons with there. like 10 kids, right? <laughs> yeah, they had a few. So that, I mean, that house was just meant to have kids and parties. And, and just thinking back of how many... Not just parties we hosted, but gatherings like post softball games. That's a good after parties there. I mean, your what fortieth birthday? You had how many people there? There was a lot. <laughs> do do we count the the police officers who showed up and joined the party, or or just uh, who came just, in and made plates? Yeah, and just hung yeah. out. That was always a good. Uh, that was always a good addition to our parties. Were were the the yeah. local San Jose Police Department that would stop by? Yeah, uh, and and stay a while. Yeah. Uh, so after getting back to after high school, uh, I went off to Chico State, a small school north of Sacramento that in the late 80s was named by Hugh Hefner and Playboy magazine as the number one party school in the country. Did you know that when you signed up to go there? Of course I knew that. That was the number one uh, reason I went there. <laughs> now, it was a great school and... It was in the it was in the middle of nowhere, but close enough to home. It was close enough to home, and there was just great people there. Uh, you could go camping and motorcycle riding and uh, river rafting. There was just we were really close to the outdoors there. How far was the drive from your home? It was like a three hour drive from San Jose. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad. But we also what this was a, a great advantage is I think we had sixteen graduating seniors from Leland High School that all attended Chico State. I think the number was 16. Yeah. And that was bigger than any other high school we knew of. So when we got there and all moved into the dorms, we were an instant party everywhere we went. <laughs> you were all in the same dorm? Most of us were in the same dorm. I think maybe 12 of us you got any names? all lived. All, oh yeah, it was Whitney Hall. It was the big nine-story building on campus. Who was your, did you have one roommate? I had one roommate. Who was yeah, it? It was Craig Butler. And uh, I didn't know him, met him, just random roommate, and we lived together for the next nine or ten months. Yeah. And that was great. But Whitney Hall was a fun place. Uh, we would go river rafting on the Sacramento River. We would go to a place called Bear Hole, where you would just hang out and drink Coors Lights all afternoon. Mm-hmm. Of course, with a sober driver. Of course. And 
uh, there was just always something to do there. There was always a good party. Really good, solid academics was, was one of your number one criteria as to why you attended. Yeah, I would say that would be an episode, <laughs> but it would probably be a five-minute episode. The <laughs> academics at Chico. The academics were great at Chico State, it, but it was a social. It was a very, yeah. very good uh, social. You were networking. I was networking from day one. Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of networking. And you joined a... I was in a fraternity. Particular club. A fraternity, the Lambda Chi Alpha Fraternity. And had a great time with that. Learned a lot about organization and brotherhood uh, and being part of a team. So that, yeah. was, that was great. We didn't have that. The big, the big uh, fraternity parties, like in Animal House, uh, those didn't happen too often. I mean, they were a... Those were a once a year or twice a year. What was the occasion once a year? Halloween? I think our biggest parties at the fraternity house would have been the alumni weekend. Those were always... When was that? Some of... uh, Usually in the spring, it would be either like the dad's, uh, you know, Father's Day or just the alumni weekend. But those those were always good parties because I think some of the best drinkers weren't guys in college. Um... They were, the dads they, were, were... they were guys after college. I think you, I think the, the drinking and socializing curve um, gets better in age. So when you're 18 to 22 years old, you're, you think Just you're there. Just warming up. You think they're... You're warming you're, up. Yeah, but you're not there yet. Mm. So when you brought in... Thank um, God you don't have any boys. Um, thank God I have two daughters and yeah. no Girl boys. dads. Girl dad. Shout out to all girl dads. So after... Uh, about four years at Chico State. You met um, someone special there. Minus a degree. Uh, that, that degree was uh, unobtainable yeah. at Chico State. It was just a little too demanding on how the social many, front. How many? It was. It really interfered with what mattered most. Well, and, and I'll tell you, the, the thing that brought me back home was uh, my father and mother both needed help with the family business. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to pursue. And so how many credits did you have left? Oh, I think I was three credits short. Oh, that yeah. hurts me. Yeah. That so, hurts me. That's, uh, that, that's, but also, it's a cool testament that, you know, you've had as successful of a career as you can have. Um, you know, you financially provided for your family. I didn't need a you, physics degree to go home and, uh, and, know, and do but, what I did. But, I, but I needed you, a social degree. Well, you were successful on all fronts with Summit. You, were, you financially provided. You were appreciated by your community. You felt like you were part of a, a team, you know, serving your community in the way that you did, in the really unique way that you did. And you're right, you didn't need a degree to do that. So you just went there, learned everything that you needed to learn through life experiences. Summit Uniforms was a business started by my parents, Joe and Kathy Earnshaw, in 1971. And it started out uh, from, the, from the start in, I think, my father's garage or his partner's garage, uh, after a few months and some success, they moved to a little 500, 400 square foot building in in Campbell, uh, a city next to San Jose. Uh, after a few years of that, they kept growing and they moved to another location, and the business uh, just grew and grew. And where were, where was the location when you started working there? Meridian? Uh, no, uh, on uh, Bascom Avenue. Uh, we were there for about 10 years and mm. I grew up there working there and probably starting fourth, fifth grade, stocking shoes and 
folding shirts and trying to start helping customers. <laughs> and then all through junior high, all my Christmas breaks, summer breaks, my, my parents paid me a, a small salary, but it was, uh, it was, it was fun. And I always had a few dollars in my pocket. So it yeah. taught me young. And one thing about learning a business, a family business, is learning to work when you're young is a, is a real big advantage. Because if you, if you never hold down a job and you go through junior high and high school and college and never really work, it's hard to get going at 22 or 23 years old. Yeah. So when you start to work... And you know how you have to show up and you have to show up on time and you have to do your job and do your tasks. And, and you learn that at a young age, it is an absolute advantage. Yeah. And unfortunately now we're running, there's less and less of those family businesses. And it's a, a disadvantage to your generation that you don't get to grow up around a business and learn that young. Yeah, For you, I mean, you I weren't feel... working, you were playing sports. <laughs> yeah. So that well, was like a job. That's like a good, I feel like if you're not going to be raised around a family business, the next best thing is, is playing sports to learn teamwork, hard work, showing up on time, Absolutely. constructive criticism, being a gracious loser and a gracious winner. There's just infinite life lessons that you learn through sports, whatever one it is you pick. But yeah. I loved growing up in Summit. I didn't start... Well, I did work there, I feel like. I priced socks. Yeah, you did a good job pricing those socks. And I'll never forget, uh, I think I was like, I was young, probably five or six, and we used to have the big uh, vending machine back in the break room. Yeah. And I got like an orange soda or something, Yeah. and I walked it out to the floor, and I was standing in the middle of, I was you probably s- around some Ike jackets or something. Build that orange soda, I didn't, didn't No, I didn't spill it. <laughs> but my record wasn't very good. I was a big spiller. You were a spiller. <laughs> And uh, you were irate at me. Get get back, get, get back in the back off the floor. Off the floor, yeah. So you were in a tight ship, as uh, people can attest to who know you worked with you. Yeah, I was I was a big micromanager, but that was out of the love for perfection that my mother and father instilled in me yeah. about everything had to be perfect. Why we, did Granddaddy? start the business i think he was looking for another source of income he, he was a police officer on the san jose police department uh, my father joined your grandfather joined the police department in 1960 and in the 60s police officers did not make the kind of money they make today i think i i, I need to fact check this but i think his first uh monthly salary was somewhere in the neighborhood of four or maybe it was a buy every two weeks like four hundred dollars. Oof. Uh, so it was low. So there was most most police officers at that time, the sixties, seventies, and probably eighties. Most police officers and firefighters had second jobs. Really? Yeah. They they could not make it on just their city salary. So yeah. almost all <clears throat> of them had a second job. Uh, some of the firefighters had whole second careers going on. Because a firefighter usually works about 10 days a month, and those guys would, would work every day to make ends meet. So he started Summit still working for the police department? Still working for the police department full-time. And, Saw a hole and, in the market? Started a started a small little business. Was there any other uniform businesses in San Jose? There were. There were, there were always two or three, and 
as one would would uh, go out, we'd we'd gain a little bit more of the market share, and then uh, slowly the the industry people retired and mm-hmm. moved on. So. so he was the he was the industry and behind the operation and kind of the the idea behind the operation. Where did Meemaw come in? What did she contribute? Meemaw ran the tight ship. She uh, was uh, absolute perfectionist, and that's where I think I did really learn that trait. Um, and she she just always demanded 110% and ran a very tight ship. So that yeah. was a lot of the success and the growth of the business was through her hard work. She's a Virgo. I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. Oh man, that's a lot of I know of you're not into the, the much of the astrology, but one thing about Virgos is they are perfectionists. They like things done a certain way and yeah. they are very organized. So. A lot of Virgos. <laughs> and 31 years later, here we are. We were able to find a buyer for Summit Uniforms after 52 years of the Earnshaw's family business. And we found a great buyer and he has taken the reins and kept the wheel going. Yep. We um, wish him all the best. We wish him all the best. We want all... nothing but, but the best for Summit. We want that to continue serving the community. We do. It was and... a really important part. It is, to the day, a very important part of the community of uh, the South Bay area, a, a large... Yeah. What was your what was the territory that we... It was big. It was over half the Bay area. Well, so no, we didn't do San Francisco. Just uh, was, south of San Francisco. And yeah, then it went up to what? Like better than just outside of SAC? Yeah, better than three counties. And we'd always have, uh, w- what we would have is a lot of people that came from out of the area would stop in and shop or try to shop and if we could help them. But we were, we really did provide the majority of uniforms for the police department, fire department, all the EMS agencies, uh, the the bus system that operates in San Jose, the U.S. Post Office. We, we did all that for half of the San Francisco Bay Area. So How many departments total, you think? Oh, it was usually running about 60 to 70 different agencies we would be working on at one time. So and you also did of, like Apple security and other miscellaneous yeah, lots of different public safety stuff. Yeah. So that that has wrapped up, and now we're moving on to the next chapter. Yeah, this is our first venture post-summit. Outside of selling uniforms in my whole life. Literally, you haven't done a single other business venture. Yeah. I mean... You, you kind of, you, you almost started a restaurant back in the day. Oh, that's been hard not to start restaurants. Yeah. We're, we <laughs> so, love to cook and we love to entertain. So the restaurant and we love to eat. Yeah. And so the restaurant industry is something that, uh, it's been calling your name. But... It's been, it's been tapping me on the back, but that's a hard one. If and you I, wanted to I get off your turned feet, around yet, you and... wanted to get off your feet. You've been running around summit, putting in 20,000 steps every day for 31 years and the yeah. restaurant business is Maybe not. Maybe we should just buy a sailboat and just start sailing the bay out there. Yeah, that'd I'm be, down. That'd be really nice. I'll, I'll swab the deck. A deck swabber. Yeah. So where did the nickname Peanut come from? Uh, I don't know. That was just... Uh, it I was, was a given, small baby. It was. She was a small little girl and not unfortunately long. not born with a full head of hair. So with this little wispy, this little perfectly round head, this little wispy hair, um, she just got the nickname one day, Peanut, and it stuck. You're the only one who calls me Peanut. There there would be. 
Well, you had my f- aunt calls me Pina. Yeah, and there was there was fans. Your your teammates in softball love the nickname Peanut. So every once in a while they would. Get you know a good who calls giggle. me Peanut? Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin calls, calls me Peanut. peanut. Uh, but it, it's it's been a good nickname. It wasn't always the best term of endearment. Um, screaming across a field, go it, peanut. peanut! <laughs> but it stuck, and yeah, I wanted to name the podcast Pappy and the Peanut, uh, but that didn't go over very no. well. No, hopefully, so. you know, we're on to Pappy Hour. You're the host. You're the host. I feel like I'm kind of the the co-host. But as this podcast evolves, and you get guests in here, and your buddies, and your friends, and Whoever, you know, we got to get Mima on. We got to get mom in here. We We're going to have a get... lot of guests because I have a lot of friends that have a lot of other good stories. We got to get like, Chipper in here and Miles and the whole fam. Like if, uh, if, if, if everybody out there is enjoying my stories, every one just of my wait. friends that I get in, it's just exponentially. And most of these friends will be included in these stories. So it will be a good way to hear it kind of their side of the story mm-hmm. and the, the things that I have forgotten. Yeah. Uh, but so, we're going to tell a lot of stories. And the other thing that we really, that I want to, I want to touch on today as the introductory introductory episode is I want to, I want to tell the truth on things. Um, I don't want to go into opinions. This is going to be a podcast, not to the left, not to the right. And I'm not even going to say in the middle. It's going to be the truth. So if the truth brings you to the left, so be it. And if it brings you to the right, so be it. You can interpret the truth either way. But I want to bring good statistics on events and things happening around us that I think the news does not cover a lot of the times. They, they want to cover the, the same flash-in-the-pan event and the names and what happened. But I've noticed I want to say that over and over and over again. And I find myself yelling at the screen, well, what are the numbers? What do the numbers say? So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really enjoy talking about hard numbers of a specific event or a, a career. Yeah. Um, I mean, these first few episodes, I feel like we're trying to just get down who you are like we want to talk about a little bit of summit and kind of where you are in this phase of life yeah. we want to talk about like i picture like do like, i always wear a tommy bahama shirt or yeah. is there something else in my wardrobe that's going to be a big mostly tommy bahama yeah mostly tommy bahama. um but i was think i'm thinking like if i were to make a vision board of you what would i put on it i would put a tri-tip i would put a map Tri-tip and a map. <laughs> I would right? put, and hopefully the map gets you to the tri-tip. Yeah, I would put. I would put friends and music. You just have so many cool history, like the Civil War. You were a Civil War reenactor. You were in an Academy Award-winning movie as an wow. extra. Wow! Which is going to be a whole another episode. The whole entire back of my head. Yeah, and, and one blurred one blurred vision of the side of my face. Yeah, your but profile. you really have to know. How I look then to see me. You got to be savvy with the remote to catch yeah. him in the in the film, but that's gonna be that's gonna be a great episode to talk about how you got into Civil War reenacting and kind of your journey through and where that's taken you and how I think that's something you totally need to reconnect with now in, in your retirement. Yeah, 
that's your, you know, you can go start Civil War reenacting again like that. I don't that would know. be so cool. You know, you sleep on the ground on a little bit of... We slept I mean, on the ground last year when we backpacked Catalina. I know, but I really prefer a nice Marriott hotel or a, a nice Hilton bed other soft. than the ground underneath soft. a tent that's soggy. You wake up in a wool blanket. This is of, the point to, trans, to transport you back into time. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a hard sell, but I, I will... Uh, I, I do What if wanna... I go with you? What if I pretend to be your son? Well, that was a plan at one time. I, I wanted to dress you up like a little boy and put you in the reenactment. You wouldn't have days, to do but... much dressing up uh, yeah. based on what I looked like in fourth grade. We, we, we didn't... I would have just fit right. We, we never we never got there. Oh, my God. So that's, Civil that's War a bucket list thing. Yeah, Civil War reenacting was a big part of my growing up. I started doing it when I was a... Uh, the beginning of my freshman year in high school. So I was 15 years old. And m- this was in about 1984. Mm-hmm. So my mom was uh, extremely trustworthy. Most of these gentlemen I hung out with were all veterans, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. And uh, knew deep down they were a good bunch of guys and just kind of set me off. It was like going to boot camp at 15 years old. But yeah, it, modern but it, day. Yeah, it really did two things quickly for me that I don't think I would have done that quickly. It, it, Can I say the it, first one? Yeah. It made you not a picky eater. Yes, I ate everything. Because when you grow up in an affluent neighborhood with parents that cook, you're really never hungry. Right? Well, did Mima cook or did yeah, Mima heat? Yeah, Mima cooked. But, but what I'm saying is that <laughs> no, she you go from... Uh, a breakfast and then you go eat your school lunch or out of a paper bag and you come home to dinner so it's all bland it's all the same flavors and you and you raid the the cookie cabinet and eat potato chips after school so you're really never that hungry well with civil war reenacting if you didn't eat the food you know most of the time it was a three-day event you were hungry so you had never experienced hunger i never experienced hunger and that's a character building and they say Hunger is the best spice. It mm-hmm. makes it makes everything taste better. So I would I would come home and my I think my parents um, saw this evolve slowly, but I would come home, you know, maybe after three or four of these events. We, we'd usually go out once a month, once a month uh, for maybe a ten month season, and I would come home and I just stopped complaining about food. And I just started eating different <laughs> things. And they, you're also they, growing. They were. Going I, 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 I was growing. Uh, my eighth grade year, I'd grown like six inches. So I was a pretty tall, lanky kid. That was me in middle school. I had a giant growth spurt in middle school. Yeah, you copied my growth spurt. Yeah. So I came home and I started eating everything. And and I did also learn uh, maybe not to complain as much. Because when you're around a bunch of old veterans uh, reenacting the Civil War, no one there... Life's good. Well, no one there wanted to wanted to hear you complain. Yeah. You, you didn't really... They didn't come to you in the morning and say, now, was everything okay, Patrick? Did you have a good night's sleep? Was 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 the breakfast okay? You just got in line and marched and put your uniform on and uh, went yeah. and reenacted a battle. So it was a really valuable lesson to learn during my high school years. Yeah, that was such a character builder for you. And yeah. so that will be a great episode to really... Dive into all that. You have some really Talk about some of the reenactments. You have an amazing stories. Ones. I mean, should, the movie he was in was 
No, we're not going to reveal that. Oh, we're going to okay. save that. That's okay. going to have to be titled that episode. Okay. I, I, I like I was, it. I was an extra in a film, filmed on location in the Midwest. That won an and Academy Award. That won an Academy Award. Um, that had a great uh, lead actor who happened to be also the director. Um, we'll get to that. Any episode. guesses? No, no. Yeah, we're gonna, that's going to be gonna, a good one. So the first, leave it. And the first. Because there's some really good stories with that trip. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there's some medieval stories, there's some hilarious stories, and I did learn some really good life lessons. Yeah, on that one, and I was a little older. I was in college, uh, so I was pretty much in my prime as a soldier reenactor. You were an old soldier. Yeah, and so. Uh, I don't know, yeah. we'll name that episode four, five, six. Yeah. It's a good one. Down the pipe, down the pipe. These first these first few ones are just to let everyone kind of get to know you and who you are and where you've been in life, and then we can start having fun and getting some folks on and just see where this goes, you know? No expectations, really, just getting stories down that how, far how in the year 2100, 2200, however much longer we last on our rock. Maybe my great-great-great-grandkids will be on Mars listening to this. Who knows? But wow. it'll be... I don't you know? know if I like Mars. You know why? Because there's not a beach in Mars, and I really like the beach. Well, maybe they could artificially create it. You know, you put the goggles on, and then you just feel like you're there. Could have a dome, a domed beach. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming live from San Diego, California. In the year. In the year, and today's date? October 15th, 2023. October 15th, 2023. This has uh, been I a great... I just turned 26. You just turned... 54 years old. 54 years young. You're 54 young. 54 years young. You had me when you were only 27. I cannot imagine how I was a young next dad. year. I know. I was a young dad. Mom was 30. Mom was 30. You were 27. And uh, I was really happy being a young dad. Yeah. You were always... You, you were full of life. You came home from Summit dog tired, but you still, had, you still had the life in you. I think you did a really good job of... Even though Summit... I don't want to say took a lot out of you, but required a lot from you it did you it know? was a demanding day i would i would be out of the shoot by 6 30 7 a.m and i would usually get home by 6 30 7 p.m so it was a it was a good solid 12 hour day every day yeah you put 12 hour 12 hour days in and you would come home and you did a really good job of compartmentalizing you know thank which... god you played competitive sports because you coaching was the only thing that really got me out of those 12 hour days yeah it was your excuse he's like it's my it, kids i it, gotta be there yeah i wasn't going out like saying hey i've got to meet the guys for golf or we're going to a bar yeah. to drink you're terrible at golf I, i'm terrible at golf <laughs> I'm, I'm a better drinker than i am a golf I, I started playing golf at nine years old and i'm still terrible yeah but it really allowed me to get away from that and go do something that outside with those, your kids and those stories meet all my friends parents are, i mean your best friends we just we're about to book a trip with them you're still super tight you just did fleet week with all them yes we just got back from a weekend in san francisco uh watching an incredible display by the blue angels and fleet week i've, I've been to many air shows but there's just something special about watching the Blue Angels and the entire air show, watching them, you know, watching an F-35 do a hot lap around Alcatraz. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good scene. You guys had really good weather too. It was beautiful super weather. clear. It was crystal clear. The Blue Angels, Friday and Saturday did 
epic shows, just dogfighting over the city of San Francisco. And then Sunday the Fog came in and they did their uh, they did their B show, which yeah. was still very impressive. But you got but, to hang out with, I mean, my best friends in the world I met through softball, Todd, Caitlin, all those guys. And still to this day, long after we stopped playing softball, you're friends with their parents, their parents' friends. It's such a solid group of people um, that that really was kind of the gift that kept on giving. Uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to bring a group of people together, I think travel sports does it because you highs and lows. You all well, you, you're all cheering on your kid. You're, you're on the same team. You're coaching your kid. You're cheering him on, but you're traveling pretty much a whole summer, and you're going from hotel to hotel, spending two or three, so you're two or three nights, so you're eating together, Yep. you're traveling together, driving together. You would cook for all of us and barbecue for all of us. It really was like... Yeah, we'd smuggle in a barbecue to the hotel and we'd go in the (laughs) back parking lot and queue up a couple tri-tips. That was Uh, such a hit. Yeah, we really really had... I had the best childhood. I had the best childhood. And that's great to hear. All the friends that we met, um, you guys met through there, I met through there. Just the gift that keeps on giving. So that, um, yeah, those people are so special, so funny, such a good time. It's all, it's always positive, you know. A lot of laughters. A lot of laughter. You guys basically took over the hotel this past weekend at Fleet Week. Yeah, we reenacted some uh, old softball days this weekend of uh, <laughs> playing music and dancing in the room and shutting down. One night we shut down the bar and we outlasted the bartender. So we had played some dice games down in the bar and we kept playing and playing and they shut down and left us there. So we did close down that bar. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you did a really good job. As a dad and as a business owner, compartmentalizing and as a coach, and as a coach yeah. um, you know, first base, your, your windmill arm that you would do, go, go, yeah. go. I was not a very good softball coach. You were a really good Gatorade provider. You always had a full cooler yeah. full of ice, yeah. ice cold, snacks ready, tri-tips grilling. You just always thought one step ahead. And so when I was tired, you had Gatorade ready for me. When I was hungry, you had food ready for me. But I wasn't very good about like making up a lineup. I, I was always the assistant coach. I was never the head coach. You just wanted in on the action. Yeah. I was a really good assistant coach. Yeah. And who was your, your favorite head coach that you were behind? Oh, uh, the general. Old Pete. He, he, he was a great softball coach and I was a great assistant to him. So it kind of made me a great coach, but I was a great assistant coach. It's kind of... Similar to your role that you played at Summit, too. Like, you weren't in the police force, but whatever the police force need, you had it ready for them and provided for them. You know, yeah. like, you were one of the you were one of the bricks that the police rested upon, you yeah. know, that they needed you. Well, they, without us... And um, fire and EMT and, and the calls, rangers. The, the calls would have been served. The, the, the people would have been protected. But... We all know they would not have looked as good. Yeah, you made them look pretty sharp. You made them look good. Yeah. I was like a designer, like a fan. I, I used to say that from time to time. I'd say, why Why am I selling, <laughs> making these custom uniforms, uh, making my little margin on them? I should be designing ladies' dresses, selling oh them for $5,000. Yeah, that yeah. would have been... That would have been really good. But. but you have such an eye, like now, like obviously you, 
You could go toe-to-toe with anyone in the entire world when it comes to tactical uniforms and police uniforms. And no, that's from that company. That's from there. Why is there there? Why is that stripe there? That pin needs to be there. The collar's not pressed. The pants look shaggy. It doesn't fit right on you. Women need this shape. Men need this shape. Like you are truly an expert in that field. And you walked away from it. So I hope down the line that some sort of opportunity, who knows, will will present itself that you can tap into that without doing the things where Summit took a lot out of you, like the 12-hour days you on your have feet. children, um, you they'll get into Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, and I'll have them be in the best trick looking. You'll them out? Oh, yeah, they'll be like the slickest Boy Scout or Girl Scout. They'll be just dripping in yeah. swag. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, um, I was a terrible thing, Girl Scout, so I don't know about that. One thing that we did do whenever we traveled, we'd always critique every other market's uniforms, remember? Yeah. We, we'd say, oh my gosh, look at... Look at how baggy their pants are. Look at how saggy that crotch is. It's all the way down to the knee. <laughs> their sleeves are too long. It's off their shoulder. We would critique everyone. When you'd go to conventions with Mima? No, when we'd just travel and we'd oh. look at other public safety. Departments. We'd see the police department or a park ranger. Yeah. Um, and we always took good pride in saying that our, our region looked better in uniforms than almost anywhere else. Yeah. And... A question I wanted to ask you was, what is it when you came into the picture, when you graduated college and you came back home and you were working full time, you kind of took the reins. What is it that you implemented processes and procedures that was different, was new, was innovative, that took Summit kind of to that next level? Because it was already established, but then when you came around, you you really stepped it up. We got a little bump and I think I, I knew we were... You know the the accounts and the customers were there. I think I just took it to another level on customer service. I always wanted to run things as did Nordstrom's, right? Whenever you walked into Nordstrom's, and I, I didn't do a lot of shopping there growing up, but my mom and my sister did, and mom did. Yeah. So <laughs> I knew that when when you have a problem at Nordstrom's, it, it's not a problem for long. They solve it, they return the merchandise, they fix it. So that would be probably the one thing I based my customer service on the customers always, right? You fix it and you you know you don't blame someone else for your problem. And that's that's a good life lesson too that I've always tried to apply is don't blame anyone else for your problems. If you have a problem Fix it. Take accountability. Take accountability. Mend the relationship. Mend the problem. Get get the problem fixed and move on. Yeah. Right? And move on. Yeah, you did a good job at that. And and a great line is put your your boots on, put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants, whatever you got to do, but uh, march ahead. Yeah, the few... I worked there in some stints. Like I worked there when I was home in college going to West Valley for probably a year. Solid year I worked there. Yeah. I worked there a little bit off and on in high school. That's when you That's when you knew that you didn't want to do that for the rest of your life? <sighs> I feel bad saying that because, yeah, you know, no, we, no. me and my granddaddy had four grandkids and... Zero for four. But, you know, I just... Everything always I works don't think, out. Yeah, everything always works out. And I do, I, I, I do have a little bit of guilt for, you know, as I'm as the oldest 
yeah. grandkid for not wanting to take over. But I also feel like it, it was just meant to be and I can't force anything. And I saw how much it required of you. Yes. And as someone who wants to be a mother, I just, I just, it just wasn't in the cards. Yes. Yeah. So. And everything, uh, most great businesses always change hands from, from generation to generation and it, they move on yeah. and they morph and they keep marching. They evolve. Yeah. Keep marching. <clears throat> so. That's what we want to do. We want to keep. Keep going. Plus, I didn't want to have one career my whole life. I know. If I, you didn't, if you didn't retire, there was no way. Careers. There was no way you were gonna not. There was no way you were gonna stay around and keep your hands off Summit. If you still not. owned Summit, you were gonna be there every day doing the thing. You couldn't separate yes. without making a full separation. Yeah, I and mean that's that's like getting a new puppy and saying you can't pet it. You can't help it. <laughs> you can't help it. You're gonna, you're gonna go Speaking pet the puppy. Speaking of puppies, we need one. We Did need I parlay one. that into new puppies? We we had we two need one. great puppies. We are big fans of the King Charles Cavaliers. Cavaliers. Coco and Chloe, the and lights and loves of our life, are yeah. in doggy heaven with Gus, our Labrador. Who you had? What did you get, Gus? I got Gus in 1993. From Gustine, California. Yeah, he's from. He's born in Gustine, California. Real original with the name. And so uh, he became Gus. And I bought him. I, I was in the. I was in the market for a dog. I hadn't had a dog since my childhood dog had passed while I was in college. Did you know which one you wanted? You wanted a lab. I did. I wanted a lab. Yeah. I'd done a fair sh- amount of duck hunting, and so I thought I wanted a. A, a duck, a duck dog. retriever. Yeah, so I got a great duck retriever, but I failed to train him properly, so he became a great lap dog. <laughs> <laughs> Gus became a yeah. great toy retriever from the pool. Oh gosh, he he would. You could not stop throwing a ball for that dog in the pool. He, he would dive down to the bottom of the pool. He lived in the pool, and he would. I trained him. I did train him to go fetch things seven feet in the deep end at the bottom of the pool. That was a great party favor. <laughs> Everybody at a barbecue couldn't believe how he'd he come just, and shake off. And he just... was like a scuba diver. Well, so why wasn't he good at duck hunting if he could do that? He would have been a good duck hunter, but I had started working a little more and duck hunting a lot less. Yeah, and he just wasn't he wasn't trained. Yeah, he was a good dog. He snapped at me one time, and then a decision was made to uh, snip him, him. Snip him. That was a bad decision for him. <laughs> and a good decision can you, can you for your daughters. If, yeah, can you imagine if one decision um, got you fixed every time? Yeah. I, I think... Uh, he the, was forever changed. The men of the world would be a lot less aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> if you snapped at someone, you had to get fixed. But yeah. the, the, a great story about uh, buying Gus. Let, let's tell that story. Yeah, you So it was 1993. You were dating mom. I was dating mom. And I went to a CWA dinner, a California Waterfowl Association dinner, and it was in the town of Los Banos. And I was I was in the market for a dog, but I, I wasn't ready. I, I didn't have a kennel set up. I, I had no food. Um, I, I really had no game plan at all. But unfortunately, I was sitting at a table with about 14, 16 guys from the duck club. And I had mentioned that I, I really wanted a dog and I was going to start looking at dogs. Well, 
lo and behold, the main item of auction that night was eight-week-year-old, eight-week-old Gus. Oh. And he was this little perfect little specimen of a little fat-bellied yellow lab. Uh, he, he turned out to be a hundred-pound Labrador, so he was a big puppy. And as cute as can be. Was so, it love at first sight? It was absolute love. You saw him and you were like, I need him. Fell in love. Only only second to falling in love with mom. Oh. So I just said, that's it. He's a dog. So, <laughs> of course, he was the last item to be auctioned off. So they auctioned, you know, this rifle, this trip, this picture, this print. And it came up the last one. Well, my table when they knew I was going to start bidding on the dog all night, they'd kept feeding me beer after beer and trying to rile me up. So Which you I, happily I, accepted. I, I admit that when it was time for the auction, <laughs> I was a bit inebriated. <laughs> I was feeling no pain. Just a bit. And I had a lot of, I mean, I, I had a small uh, platoon behind me to cheer me on. And so the bidding started and uh, I wasn't going to walk out of there without Gus. So, the bidding the bidding started at a couple hundred dollars and more and more people dropped out and just every time it was my turn to bid they were egging me on so there was one woman in the back who was bidding against me and we were going back and forth and every time she stood up uh i think the front three or four tables were maybe some boos or hisses. And every time I stood up to counter her bid... Eruption. Eruption. So <laughs> I was now pot okay. committed. Yeah. And unfortunately, the bidding stopped, I think, at about 600 I think 650 or $675. Now, labs at that time were going for about $400. I probably would have paid $2,000 because I wasn't, I wasn't stopping. Yeah. And... After I won the final, you know, the final ding and uh, the sold the, sold to the winner, they literally went and got Gus and put him in my lap, gave me a, a, a couple pieces of paper, which were his papers for being a, a, a thoroughbred dog, and a small baggie of dog food. That's of all dry they food. Gave you? Yeah. No leash, no collar. <laughs> no leash, no collar. No bed. No, no how to book. So it was like someone handed you a baby and be like, okay, good, good luck. luck to you. Yeah, good luck. So I took uh, I, my, uh, my uncle Mick, who was uh, kind of my, my partner in crime. He taught me how to duck hunt. Uh, second about, father figure. Second father figure. Taught me how to duck hunt at about 12 years old. So he, uh, I was in the passenger seat, put me in there. I was holding Gus. And got back to the duck club where we would spend the night. And again, no kennel, no dog. Are we talking? Are you in a bunk or something? I'm in a bunk. I'm in a bunk in an old 1950s trailer. That was the duck club trailer. It was just luxury. Yeah, it was. It was really a special place. So I I have Gus, and he's sleeping on my lap. I'm I'm sorry, sleeping on my chest. And you're completely uh, sober, obviously. I'm. I'm in a really good deep sleep. I had a I had a long day, a long night, and I'm I'm sleeping well. We'll just put it that. So, Gus is just and Gus had a long night too because that was the first time Aww. he had left his mother. He was eight weeks old, and he wasn't going back to his mom. So it was a traumatic. And then 
It was a traumatic night for him. And then he got passed around by, you know, 300 people in a, at the fairgrounds. So he was tuckered and Gus was sleeping on my chest. And in the middle of the night, I was having a dream that I myself was wetting my bed. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was Gus wetting me. And, he, and I woke up and jumped out of, the, jumped out of my wet sleeping bag uh, and brought him outside and let him continue his, uh, doing his business. Aww. And that was the start of a 13-year relationship with... Uh, he was the best dog. With Gusser the Yellow Lab. Yeah, full yeah. 13 years. And you brought him dog. home and you told mom that you had a surprise for her. And yeah. you had been dating a, a couple years, so she was anxiously awaiting the ring. Yeah. And you showed up with a, with a puppy. I showed up with a puppy. It was not a, it, it was kind of like an engagement ring. I, I think it was better. It was kind of like you brought home your first child. Exactly. It was a commitment. It was, the, it was seeing things that were to come. Yeah. And she has her own stories about Gus, how she used to try to walk him, and he would just drag her because yeah. he was so strong. He was a very strong, very active dog. She, yeah. she did tell a story about how she had to body slam him and lay on top of him because he wanted Rear to... Rear naked choke him he, in the middle of the street. He wanted to get out of Poodle across the street. <laughs> he was not stopping. <laughs> well, we have a nice uh, addition that uh, our viewers aren't going to see on camera. But right now, uh, I believe the Ronald oh, Reagan damn. is entering the harbor in San Diego. Yeah. And... Uh, we the aircraft are, carrier Reagan is coming on in from, uh, it's not from deployment, but out for a few days on the waters. We are blessed here um, with this home that I think found us, I want to say. Like we, I tr- I've lived here a couple years now. We were meant to live in this home. Yes. It, we, can, we can talk, that's a whole nother episode about how we found this home and the history of this home. And the great great men and women who have lived here. Yeah, and really some some incredibly historic figures that have lived here, especially historic to the city of San Diego. Um, so we have a view out that way of basically all of Coronado, all of the air, air base there, the channel. So we get to watch the ships watch come in the and Ronald out. Reagan just peruse in the harbor. And, I mean, couldn't find a better place for you who loves watching planes, yeah. automobiles, Ships, watching the fighter the jets, fighter jets take off and uh, yeah, do their business. Yeah, and yeah. as people who have always enjoyed hosting, that's yes. a big part of our of our family and our personality too is hosting. We like to cook dinner. We love to host, not yeah. just not just the cooking part. We love to cook, um, but just getting just we we're just we're just we're people people. When you were in high school, did all your friends um, all agree that you had the the best? hosting party house yeah i yeah. mean we had we really had new year's parties. parties where we had a layer a, a one inch thick layer of beer in well, the that's living when you room thought it was okay to play beer pong in a, on a hardwood floor in the home yeah yeah i, I learned you so learned then we good life navigated lesson. to the great life lesson <laughs> navigated to the garage i had our senior prom after party there yeah. which was about 60 to 70 people um, we had a keg. I, I really. We had Fourth of July we parties. We had a keg for the adults. We had a keg for the adults that I yeah, yeah, I smuggled yeah. and, and claimed as my own. Yeah. Um, we had 
our 4th of July parties. Basically, it was a combo party with our neighbors. So it was, 4th of July parties were good. It was like a compound. It was, it was <laughs> between our two houses. Some, some people in the neighborhood would actually um, come around our house and light off illegal fireworks. Yeah. But others we never came, figured out who they were. No, others would come to our home and light them off. And we just were like, dude, what are you doing? That was great. Yeah. Thanks for the fireworks show. Some yeah. of the biggest in our neighborhood. Yeah. Also, uh, strangers would come around when like the Giants would win the World Series and light fireworks off. They'd have fireworks left over from 4th of July. Yeah. And it was amazing. There was just, yeah. Hooligans. Those really. were really good fireworks too. I think a lot of them were from the Midwest. Um, <laughs> and why were we in the Midwest? They, 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 Softball, um, baby. Someone was in the Midwest, allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, someone was in the Midwest, and some of those really good South Dakota fireworks found their way some... to San Jose. Yeah. It's like a song. I'm show me the way to San Jose. <laughs> And the fireworks... They would find their find their way to hole three. Yeah. That's something that I think I have... It, it's, it's definitely one of my top five experiences in my world is fireworks. I, I would watch them any day, any time. Big explosion the, guy. The closer, the better. Um, fireworks for me, if you're far away and you don't hear... If, if you can't feel that rumble in your stomach then they're just they're just like watching tv <laughs> it's not about it's not about the colors it's not about yeah um you like shapes. to feel like you're in a war a, zone which I, is... I i want to feel like i'm sitting next to a piece of artillery which i have i've, I've sat next to a 155 millimeter howitzer and that was probably the best fireworks show i ever saw yeah um so Fireworks are a big part of our life. That also goes on the on the vision board for your personality. Fireworks. Yeah, fireworks. Um, and it was it started Dogs. as a little kid, a little kid. I just uh, we used to grow up going to the Santa Clara County Fair. That was a big deal. And in those days, it was a long fair. It went on for like three weeks. So pretty much, if you were a kid, you would either work there, or you would go there often, and you would go there with your parents, and you would always stay into the evening and they launched you know by nine o'clock it was summer in san jose so it didn't get dark to about nine o'clock but you know by 9 30 every night they lit up the skies with fireworks and every just, night every night every Dang. night fireworks like so any type of fourth of july celebration any ball game with fireworks it always just made, makes your day yeah any good event I mean, that's how you could say any great event is just made better with fireworks. Yeah. So that was that was our favorite holiday of the year. Oh, 4th of July? To host. The the best. You made a pig one year. You and uh, Ken. We cooked a pig. Yeah, we cooked a pig. You and Ken. And it was, I remember, in our garage. I was in oh, there by myself. I'm like, what's it, in this cooler? The pig was hanging from the garage rafter. Well, it was in the cooler first. And I was like, Oh, yeah. We, mar- we marinated it in a cooler. You brined it. And then you hung it, and then you cooked it in a pit. Did you dig a hole? We dig a hole, and we cooked it in a little <laughs> so crazy. A pit. And, uh, in suburban Almaden, you dug a pit and cooked a pig. No, we didn't dig the pit. We had a, uh, a box. Our, uh, my, oh. my partner in crime, Kenny, found a pig box that you, 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 put, the, you put the banana leaves, and you, you, yeah. it, it was half in the ground, half 
yeah. in this box. And I invited the, 50 of my closest friends to... Yeah, you were always good for um, getting our guest list really high. Yeah. And if you invited 50, 52 came. Yeah. Or if you invited 50, 75 came. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's when we decided that we needed to tone down the party when you had about 50 people in the pool. Oh, God. Of, of which uh, half of them were in the spa at the same time. And, um, God, that's good memes. Yeah. Those, those were, are good times. Yeah, we, we, we definitely had some good party times in the Almaden Valley. I know. And so host, from hosting home now to this home, the the vibe is a little bit more cool, calm, and collected. We're not as... we've Almost like we've graduated. Yeah. We, we graduated from the fraternity house. So now we're kind of in our more our more chill chill phase of this life. This isn't the old folks' home. No. But this is the middle years. This is the... Yeah, we're kind of to- toning it down. Yeah. Quality over quantity. You know, I don't need... I don't the, even know 50 people now. Those were our go-go years. This is our slow-go years. Yeah. Like, I'm hosting here Friendsgiving in a couple of weeks. That's a This will be our fifth annual Friendsgiving. Third, fourth one we've hosted here. Yeah. Um, and I got all my homies from, from San Jose flying in. Todd, Caitlin, Megan Logson, all the people. And um, that's just always such a fun time. I make the turkey. Vanessa makes the... Uh, the green bean casserole, and that's just always such a fun time. Yeah, big turkey. Friendsgiving. So we're going to wrap up this edition uh, episode. Yeah, we just hit an this, hour. This edition. It's not really an edition. It's, it's an a, episode. It's an episode. It's an episode. Uh, but we're going to wrap up this episode. We just uh, hit I hope, one hour. We I didn't know if we were going to make it, but I mean, I feel like we could keep talking for. I, I think ever. I can talk for about 100 hours. So once we get to the 100th episode, then I'll have to go out um and create some new stories. You'll have to start creating content by going out and doing crazy things. We're going to have a lot of good guests on this show too. We've got some some really good um, guests. Some maybe will be known out there as uh, you know pseudo celebrities, and others will be sleepers. So we'll yeah we'll salt and pepper that in as we see fit. It's so excited! I'm excited to get um, our family members on here, like you and yeah. Miles, your cousin Miles. You guys have grown up together and you have infinite amount of stories. You guys might have to do like a three hour episode. We yeah. can chunk it up. But like Mima, like your mom, like she basically has dedicated her entire life to genealogy and um, researching and piecing together our family tree. Yeah. Which goes back a long way. Goes right together because what? She graduated with a journalism degree from San Jose State in what? The first year they let women attend San Jose State? I don't know that. I, I think it was a it little bit... It was like bit, one of the first few years. It was a little bit beyond that, but it was early. It was in the early 60s. Yeah, so. she got her degree in journalism and she's used it basically to piece our family tree together. And so I really want her to come on and yeah. to talk about her life's work. And yeah. she and, and, discovered and, our family in Ireland. And a shout out, you are a daughter of the American Revolution. I am. Her, fa- her favorite <laughs> association club... What, whatever Shout you out call to the it. Daughters of the American Revolution. Yep. You have to prove your lineage that you're um, related to someone who fought in the American Revolution, which yeah. is really cool. She proved that. She got all the receipts. You're, you're proven like three times. I know. Mima has all the receipts. She yeah. does the work. She'd travel around the country. She'd go to Boston and sit in the library all day. You know what that is? That's your pedigree. Oh. Yeah. That's called your pedigree. 
She she flew to Ireland You're and like a when Labrador. when did she when did she find Mima's my papers? When did she fly to Ireland to find? Oh, she in the discovered 80s. our family in Ireland by walking around to cemeteries and dusting off gravestones. That's another episode. We have and a wonderful family in Ireland that we we reconnected with them in the 1980s. And, and they're uh, coming here in March, so we're oh, getting them on the pod. Oh, my cousin Sarah will definitely be a guest. She's she a is hoot. a hilarious girl, and we can't wait. Uh, so we're signing off as daughter of the yep. American Revolution. We'll wrap that up. Pappy here. It is uh, great to have any of any and all who are listening and new followers. But we really hope to entertain you one hour a week. All right. Okay. We'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that. This podcast brings some positivity, some laughs, some smiles, and uh, stay tuned for more. Great to meet you all. Bye.